Welcome to the Dirt on Turf podcast. I'm your host, Chris Toppings. Today, we have Clark Cox from the University of South Carolina. But first, let's hear something from one of our sponsors. Netting professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Netting professionals specialize in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom nettings for backstops, batting cages, dugouts, scoreboards, overhead netting, barrier netting, sideline netting, golf course netting, and much more. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, dugout cubbies, and more. Netting Professionals continues to provide quality products and services to many recreational, high school, college, and professional fields, facilities, courses, and stadiums throughout the country. Netting Professionals are improving programs one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or info at nettingpros.com. Visit them online at www.nettingpros.com or check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. Welcome to the Dirt on Turf podcast. I'm Chris Toppings, and today we have Clark Cox from the University of South Carolina, Gamecocks, the other USC. Uh, Clark, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me, Chris. This is uh, this is an honor to be here. I've been listening to your shows, and uh, you do a great job. I'm glad glad you asked me to come on. Yeah. So, uh, get the listeners an introduction of yourself. You know your current position, your name, where you're from. You know, just a background on who you are. Well, my name's Clark Cox. My uh, I'm at University of South Carolina Athletic Department. Um, my title is Assistant Athletic Director for Sports Turf and Landscaping. Uh, services and I'm the interim facility services uh, director so I've kind of been serving in that interim role my job is kind of starting to shift more towards facilities which sometimes I think happens in our world Uh, but uh, but at heart I'm still turf guy uh, and uh, been here this is going to be my 15th year at University of South Carolina Um, I uh, was an NC State graduate, uh, worked at NC State for about 10 years before I came here. And uh, I grew up in North Carolina, in a little place called Bentonville. Some people may know it. It's a, the only reason you know it is because it's a, a state historic site. It was a, a Civil War battlefield. But I uh, grew up there. Uh, we farmed tobacco and uh, had a turkey farm and hog farm and uh, various other crops. But uh, was on the farm for you know the first part of my life and uh, developed a love for agriculture and 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 growing things. I didn't know I had that love until I left it, uh, which is you know you it's just what you do you know while you're there. But um, but yeah, that's uh, that's where I came from and uh, you know, like I say I went to NC State and uh, been here for about the last fifteen years. Your turf career history, you uh, worked at NC State. That was your first, uh, and then you came to South Carolina. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, a little bit about how I got into this business was, um, like I said, I was 
I was uh, uh, grew up on a farm and uh, have always been involved in agriculture. Knew that I probably wanted to stay in agriculture and, and, and as a career and uh, was very involved in agricultural education uh, in FFA in high school. And uh, even after high school, I was, I was a state FFA officer and decided when I went to school that I, I thought I wanted to be an ag teacher. That was my original career path and uh, got to state. I actually went to Johnston Community College for uh, uh, about a year and a half to, to kind of get the, those, 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 those classes out of the way that I might would have struggled with at NC State uh, in larger settings, but uh, and, which was a great move for me. I uh, ended up going to NC State and majoring in ag ed and realized uh, probably after my first uh, classroom visit that it was probably not for me and uh, decided going into another, uh, they had an, an extension option at the time uh, and, and geared things more towards extension and marketing and the, the, the communication side of things. And so uh, I actually interned my, my internship, uh, my last semester at state, I worked with the Department of Agriculture uh, in, in, in downtown Raleigh. And so got to wear a tie and do the, the, the city thing there for about three months. And from that, I realized that I really missed being outdoors and being uh, working with the land and getting dirty. And uh, while I was in school at state, I didn't mention this, I was a, a, an equipment manager for football. Always have loved sports. Football has always been my first love. I, I played it in high school. Most fun I've ever had. Uh, and, and just love the game. If, if there's a football game on, I will watch it even to this day. Uh, it is my, my number one favorite sport. Everything about the game I, I love. And uh, so I was a football manager for uh, an equipment manager the, the entire time I was at state. When I graduated after that internship, I was telling you about, I, 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 I need, I needed a, I needed a job until I could find quote unquote, a real job. And I happened to know, uh, some of the guys on the, the, the grounds crew and everything at state Ray Brinsfield, uh, specifically, I knew Ray from being around as a manager and, uh, asked him if he had some room for me to come on the crew and, I didn't know a thing about turf. I knew nothing about turf. It never struck me uh, that that was a career. It never hit me in all my years of, of, uh, of working on the farm. And, and it, it just never hit me that that was an option. And I, I really went to work on the grounds crew just as a, like I say, it was just a, a way to make a little bit of money and stay busy until I found a real job. And, uh, started work there and fell in love with it immediately. Uh, it was a way for me to stay in touch with athletics and sports, which were uh, one thing that I loved that I was passionate about. And uh, it also got me back outdoors and uh, my hands dirty, which is uh, kind of, you know, feeds, feeds that side of, of my passion too, to be able to, to work with the land and, um, to grow things. So it was a perfect combination. And I knew it didn't take long. I knew right away. I said, this is, this is, 
this is, uh, is I think I could do this as a career and, and was lucky enough. Uh, and I say this to people all the time. Timing is, is everything was lucky enough that some things fell, uh, into place timing wise that allowed me to eventually be hired on there in a full-time capacity. Uh, while I went back, I actually graduated with the ag ed degree. And then once I worked on the crew there, it stayed a while. Uh, realized that I want to make that a career. So I went back to school in the Ag Institute and got my two-year degree from uh, the NC State Ag Institute in turf grass management. And so was there. I ended up probably in my entire time at NC State on the crew about 10 years. Uh, I say 10 years, it was six years altogether. 10 years if you count the time I was in school. But uh, got an opportunity back in 2004 to come to South Carolina, they, they were, they were in need of a, they kind of had some issues with their field in, in the 03 football season. And, uh, I was ready to, to be the head guy and, uh, kind of took a leap of faith and moved my family down to Columbia, South Carolina. And here we are. Uh, that's, that's pretty much, uh, the, the history of how I got here and, uh, what turned me on to turf. You, you hit the nail on the head. Your, your passion for football and then your roots that were in agriculture, it all just kind of – it was like the best of both worlds. And uh, I think that really probably made a difference for you and really, you know, piqued that happiness. Where it, yeah, it, it did. didn't feel like you were going to work, <laughs> you know. It, it, exactly. I'm not saying that there's not days that, that – but for the most part in my career, I, it, it is. It's something I really enjoy doing, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, moving, moving to the next segment, who got you into it? Who was your mentor, your role model? I would assume, you know, Ray Brinsfield, you know, giving you that, that, that first shot, you know, really kind of lit that fire. Yeah. Ray, uh, I, I give Ray a lot of credit or blame. I don't know which it is, <laughs> uh, for, for giving me that first job and, and was able to work with Ray and Ray's been, a uh, you know, got me into this thing i i want to mention eric holland um who actually was who i worked with that first uh that first summer that i was working there and eric eric really turned me on to it from a side of showing me what what things could be eric eric now is uh works with precision turf uh they are a contracting company but but eric and i got to be good uh friends and and from there we uh you know, he, he kind of showed me the, we had a lot of fun riding around in those days and working together. Uh, it was a, a, a pretty good crew at the time, which made it a lot of fun. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I, kind of, I kind of credit Ray and Eric for, for getting me into this thing. Uh, you talk about role models though. I, I, I can't think of role models without, you know, in the industry without thinking about Bobby Campbell. And Bobby, if, if you don't know who Bobby was, Bobby was the head groundskeeper, uh, sports turf manager, director of grounds, I think was his last title at the University of Tennessee. And when I first got into this business, um, which would be like 1997, when I was still brand new, didn't know anything about it, and I was reaching to find anything, if it was about sports fields and sports turf management, I wanted to find it. And I think I remember picking up uh, back in those days, the Sports Turf Managers Association had a, a, a magazine. 
well, it wasn't really a magazine. It was like a trifold thing that came out every month. And I remember there was an article in there about Bobby Campbell. And I knew, as, and you'll relate, anybody who's in the turf industry relates to this. When you're watching games, once you get bit by the turf bug, doesn't matter what game you're watching, you're looking at the field. Absolutely. And I always thought that Tennessee's football field uh, was was just always a really good-looking uh, playing surface. It looked good. It played well. And it was consistent. It was just consistent. And uh, so I always kind of was – that was always my bar was I, I want to I wanna look as good as Tennessee does. And so I got I, – I actually uh, learned about Bobby and – ran into Bobby he was speaking at a at, a, at one of the old TCNC conferences here in Charlotte so I got to meet him there but several years later I moved into this role at South Carolina uh, we have a, a pretty good brotherhood of guys in the SEC we get together every year it's one thing that I love about where I am is uh, we, we still do it or we did before COVID but we've got all of the SEC grounds guys get together once a year and have about a three-day. Uh, we have some education and uh, we have some fun. We definitely have fun, but uh, it's a great, great time for us to share and, and share ideas, share our pains. And uh, so I got to know Bobby through that, and it was always a thrill to me. He was every bit the person, more of a person, you know, great guy. Uh, in person than he than I, I would have ever thought he was and so to meet your role model uh and it's somebody and I, and I was glad I got to tell Bobby bef before he passed away I said you know I sent him a text one day I saw a, a game from like 1998 was on Sports South or something one of these classics and so I sent Bobby a text but because it, it did it made me think I said this I, I was glad I got to tell him that I said those were the fields that that era when I was a young sports turf manager, young guy, I wasn't even a sports turf man. I was just a guy on a crew, looking at those fields and how great they were. Uh, that's what made me want to get into this business. And and I, you know, I, I thanked him for setting the bar for all of us, for a lot of us, for a long time. That was the standard. And so uh, I got to throw that out there. I mean, Bobby, Bobby's been uh, he was he was a great uh, great role model in the industry. Yeah, that's. That's really impressive to hear. I've always, I've always thought their field was awesome. I mean, in 1997, 1998, I wasn't but nine years old. So, uh, but I was yeah. always a sports, I was always a sports fanatic. So, uh, but me remembering uh, that age is is kind of difficult. But I've always had an appreciation for. I, I've always loved that checkerboard and stuff they had in the end. Yeah, it always catches your eye. And, yeah, they always – the consistency is what always got me about Bobby's field back then is you never – it didn't matter if it was the first game or the last game. It looked great, and and it was just always consistent. And this was at a time, you know, that era, we weren't where we are now where the expectation is that. Uh, now the expectation is a lot higher. But back in those days, you know, like I say, he set the bar. That's awesome. Uh, your current position that you're in, Honda, you from what we just heard, you have many roles. Uh, a breakdown of your position, maybe your day to day. <laughs> well, uh, like I say, I've just kind of in the last year assumed more facility role. 
Um, and, uh, but, but basically I oversee, um, uh, ultimately am responsible and, and, and I have a great staff for each role, but right now I oversee not only the sports turf, uh, they, that falls under my purview with, uh, Tim Flanagan. I want to mention Tim, Tim is, we hire Tim as our sports turf, uh, He's, he's, he's over our sports turf operations and kind of gradually have been turning things over to Tim on the sports turf side, which is, which is a challenge for me, but, uh, but it's in great hands, but, uh, still oversee that oversee all of our athletic grounds. We have, uh, all of our facilities, our exterior landscaping, uh, is, is contracted out, but I oversee that side of things, but also I've taken over. Uh, facility role overseeing our facility services division uh, and our maintenance side of things. Uh, you know, in a nutshell, uh, moving things, uh, fixing things, you know, at all of our facilities, uh, particularly at, at Williams Bryce Stadium and uh, baseball, softball. I mean, we, 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 we do a little bit everywhere. And so that's kind of my thing in day to day is, is to, to, oversee that group and it's a great group we got a great group of uh individuals in every uh in in every uh, uh, phase that we're dealing with and i'm learning a lot i'm learning a lot uh, I, I, you don't you know you you learn stuff all all along um when you're in this business uh whether your specialty is sports fields or whether you know it's all facilities so i've learned a lot over the years but i'm learning I've learned real quick that what I don't know. So, uh, we're, uh, we're getting there, but at the end of the day, a lot of it's about managing people. And, uh, if you can do that, uh, you know, it, it, and, and having the right people, uh, now, it makes it easy. And now with, with the restrictions being different for, with COVID, I think a lot of things that are coming to your position is logistical things. I mean, that's going to be, you know, planning the logistics of if you are going to have a game and if you're going to require fans, you know, you being the director of facility operations as well, a lot of things are going. They're going to look to you as we got to implement these plans, and it's your your job to make sure those plans get mm -hmm. implemented as efficiently as possible. Right. Well, thankfully we've got a we've got a, a another great arm of our facilities uh, division here, which is operations and uh, event management, and they have shouldered a lot of those dealing with a lot of those things. And then our, our group kind of helps implement them as far as the, uh, the, you know, whether it be putting up, uh, queuing stations and, you know, those things that a year and a half ago or a year ago, we, we didn't have, but now you've got to spread everybody out. It's been a challenge. It's been a challenge, but we've got a great group here. Uh, my boss, Jeff Davis, who, uh, is, is he's, he's a, a senior associate athletic director for, uh, uh, he's facilities and, and operations. So Jeff oversees facility and the event management and operations people. Uh, and Jeff's a, Jeff's a pirate. He's from Greenville and from, and from down there in pirate country. So, uh, he's, he does a really good job and he's been a great mentor for me, uh, on, especially on the, the facility side of things when it comes to learning. Yeah. That's, uh, I think everybody with the COVID is dealing with different things and, you know, we closed down for so long and now the weather's back. The weather today was amazing. I see, I saw more people on our complex 
this afternoon that I've I've seen it. I said this is the most people I've ever seen out here. And the boy that works with us, he looked at me, he said, I've seen more people. I said, Well, it's just been so long since I've seen people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh but back to your career, uh a high and low point of your career that you can think of. Well, let's see. Um I, I uh I'll tell a little story about a, a low point. It was, it was actually, I had to think about this one because I think if you do this long enough, you really, you, you always have some challenges, but I think probably the one time, I don't know that it was the lowest point, but it didn't turn out to be really a low point. But at the time I thought it was probably, it was, it, I thought I was going to get fired to be honest, but uh, it was my, uh, my second year here. Uh, at South Carolina, Steve Spurrier was hired and he was, he was in his first year at South Carolina. And, uh, I, I, I've always, this, the lesson in this is communication, but we were getting ready to, you know, we were going through our season. We had a big break between games and we generally oversee with perennial ryegrass when we have a, a good break. And so I did, and, uh, didn't really think much of it. And uh, I was actually in Atlanta, Georgia, on a Thursday night. We were we were we were playing a, a, a Kentucky on that Saturday, but uh, NC State was playing Georgia Tech, and a buddy of mine said, "Hey, let's let's ride up to Atlanta to that Thursday night game." And I said, "Okay." So we drove down there, and I probably had maybe two beers, and was having a good time, and my phone rang. And it was, uh, my boss, uh, and I didn't, I didn't, I didn't answer it, but he left me a message and I listened to the message and the message was, Hey, Clark, please give me a call at your convenience so we can uh, discuss, uh, the ryegrass issue. Well, to get that call at about six o'clock on a Thursday night that I thought I was going to have a really good time watching a ball game. And I had no idea we had an issue. Well, long story short, I ended up calling my boss and I said what's the problem he said well coach coach after practice today took the guys into the stadium just to talk to him a little bit and he was surprised by the ryegrass and because it and it had it was it was like just that that young we'd mowed it we hadn't even mowed it yet it, it because we'd had a wet week and we had not even had a chance to mow it. so it was spindly and it was probably about three inches high yeah, winds blowing it, and you can see it oh, every time you he, step on it. Yeah. Oh yeah, it, it was it was probably you know, and it was wet anyway. Well, Coach Bird doesn't like ryegrass, which a lot of a, a lot of football coaches, especially those from that era, uh, never liked ryegrass. Uh, they and 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 why it's slick, and yes, mm -hmm. it is slick, and. I probably should have it's slicker than Bermuda is what I've always said. Um, I probably should have had the conversation with him prior to. So anyway, the rest of that night, I, I couldn't even enjoy myself. It was, I was miserable. I thought here I have, has got a football field out there and Steve Spurrier, the great Steve Spurrier um, is mad that I've put ryegrass. I was like, probably going to fire me, you know, cause I'm sitting there thinking like, what, what can I do? Can I get rid of it? Do I spray it out? I mean, obviously I can't get rid of it before Saturday's game, but, uh, as it turned out, we, we were able to mow it, get it mowed. We mowed it down tight. And I think we, a couple of different directions and 
anyway, we ended up winning the football game, which was the best thing that could have happened on that Saturday. And uh, on Monday, when I called to discuss it, it was a non-issue. So, uh, but, but for about three days there, I, I thought my goose was cooked, man. It was, I, I really was worried about it. And of course, you know, you, you, at least I did at the time, had this idea of coach Spurrier and, you know, over the years I got to know him and, and, you know, he's, he's awesome. He's one of the best coaches I've ever worked with. Uh, just a great guy. But at that time I, I, I wasn't sure. And so, uh, that was a low point. Um, high point, you know, we've had a lot of high points. Um, I'd probably point to, uh, I guess it was two or three years ago, I guess maybe 2017. When you got uh, that game ball? The game ball would have <laughs> to be up there with, um, yeah, we, so we, so we had a concert. So I got a phone call back in, it was probably March, uh, before the football season from, uh, from our athletic director, Ray Tanner. And coach said, Hey, I, I keep this on the down low, but we have a possibility for a concert. Well, I've had, we've had several concerts and concerts to me, I know a lot of people don't like them, which I, I probably wouldn't like them either if they were a constant, but for us, we've had three shows since I've been here. So that's about an average of, of, of one every five years, which is, I think is it, it one, it, it, it's something new and different. It, it breaks the monotony. It's a new challenge whenever the concert is. Uh, and it keeps, I've always felt like it, you know, you learn the latest and greatest ways to protect your field. And uh, so I was okay with that. And then he said, well, that's not all. He said the date that they want is August uh, 29th, August 20th. I can't remember what the date was, but it was, it was roughly 10 days before our home opener. Ooh. And so um, anyway, I told him, I said, coach, anything's possible we can do it y'all just gonna have to commit to probably replacing the field with uh ready to play sod uh and it's gonna cost some money well long story short we we i, I told coach that it could be done and i felt good about it um uh, at the time casey carrick up at north carolina was switching out his field about uh you know once or twice you know, two or three times a season uh, because they were practicing on it. So NFL does it all the time. I felt really good about it. Um, and so we move forward with our plan. Well, the week of the show, when we're, we're, we're getting down to the nitty gritty, the message boards, Twitter, all the armchair uh, grounds professionals were, 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 were livid. This is a terrible decision. This is going to be an embarrassment. Uh, what are we doing? People are going to be blowing out there. You know, I mean, you name it. We were getting criticized all over the place. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to say I wasn't a little nervous about it because I'm always nervous for every football game. But at the end of the day, we had a great plan. We started planning for that thing, like I said, way back in March. And here we are in August. We had a great, great uh, partnership with Precision Turf. Uh, they grew some great grass for us. Uh, and uh, we were able to make it happen. 
and uh you know we played our first game and uh it was you know coach 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 Muschamp that week he did he came out to the field more that week than I've ever seen him and uh I remember Monday night I was rolling it so we basically had the concert on a on a Tuesday night prior to so about 10 days prior to our first game but he was we we, we laid the start on a Saturday uh so one week prior to our home opener and I was rolling it that Monday night and he came out you know how do you feel about it and I said you're I said I feel good about it I think it's gonna be good coach you know and he 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 said well I trust you I got trust and faith in you which which meant a lot to me and uh Anyway, we, we went on and we played, and it wasn't an issue at all. And, uh, and Coach gave me a game ball. So that was, that was really special. Uh, it, this, the game ball gesture was, was neat, and it's neat to have that. And, and, and really, that goes to my entire staff and my entire crew. Um, it, it is neat to have that as kind of a trophy. But really, the trust and knowing that not only Coach Muschamp, but Coach Tanner, and our entire administration put their trust in me uh, and, and believed that in me. Uh, and when I said we could do it, uh, they, didn't, they didn't second guess it. That meant more really probably than the game ball did. Uh, it's just the game ball kind of represents that. So uh, that was probably, probably the high in my career. Yeah, especially with your passion in, in, uh, in sports and your passion for football, that game ball, that's – you know, everybody loves watching the, watching videos of people getting game balls, and uh, for him to give that to you and let you break break them down, I mean, you know, that's that's something that you'll probably remember as well for a long time. Yeah, it was it was totally unexpected, and uh, you know, I was taken aback by it, but uh, very honored, very honored. Probably never happen again, but uh, but it was it was neat. Well, speaking of that, you know, your lows, low points, and your high points. Uh, Name something you deal with on a day-to-day, one thing that poses a challenge to you and your crew. You know, our, our biggest issue, and it's, it's, it's even more uh, with COVID, especially this semester, uh, has made it – has compounded it. But it's, it's always traffic and, and, and where – just the amount of play. And when I say that, I know, you know, I'm a lot – it's all relative, right? You know, obviously my play is not what say a a public field is, but for us, uh, we've got every sport going right now, uh, in some form or fashion. Um, we've got, uh, it just seems college athletics is a lot different than it was when I got started, you know, roughly 20 years ago. Um, it's, it's year round. Now there's, there's play on all these fields with every sport year round. There are no more in season. Technically, yes, there's in season and off season, but we don't get those big breaks like we used to get uh, to kind of recover. It seems like we're always in season and the recovery is constant. There's not that gear up for the first practice like we used to have. Uh, And then, they tear it up and then you, you, you have an, another month to get it ready. You don't have that anymore. Everything now is, is year round and constant. And, 
and, and that's not just here, that's, that's everywhere. But, uh, you know, you've got that while at the same time, there's an expectation uh, that is that, that everything's going to be really good. And so uh, that's our biggest challenge. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, Chris, I, and I'm not, I, we're always our biggest critics and uh, no one has higher expectations for our fields than we do. And so, uh, you know, our, our, you know, our credo here with our group, and I've always said is, is to maintain the safest, you know, safety's number one, uh, most playable fields. You want that field to, to not affect play and then aesthetically pleasing fields that we can provide for our student athletes uh, and for our fans. And, um, you know, we've, 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 we do our best to handle that with that, that, that increased wear. But at the end of the day, I think a lot of times we, we, we think our work is not good enough when others probably think it's pretty good. Yeah. Well, with, you know, that leads us into our, into the next portion. Perfect. You know, with that, with that challenge, with that traffic, what cultural practice is, is your go-to for managing that wear? You, you know, best I'm possible. a bit, yeah, I'm, I'm a, I'm a big airification guy. I've always believed in air. Fine. Um, we, we believe, you know, we in see, uh, I say the growing season. So once we start, we're all 419 uh, Bermuda grass here on all of our fields. And then we overseed uh, most of them uh, with perennial rye. So, our growing season down here in Columbia for Bermuda grass basically starts, and you know, sometimes it starts a lot earlier than others, but pretty much cranks up in April. Uh, you, you get greened up and you'll start growing some grass. So from April until August, we're, we're punching at least once a month. Uh, try to pull a core, uh, not necessarily deep, but, you know, I tell people all the time, you need to be doing something. And so we, we, we've, we've got, uh, you know, we will, we'll, we'll verify at least once a month. Sometimes when we get into season, we typically don't pull cores during the season. I like doing a solid time in the season, but I think anything you can do to keep that, that those fields open, um, uh, and, and let it breathe. Uh, it just, it just helps you so, so much. Um, that, that would probably be the one thing I, I'd say is my go-to cultural practice. Yeah, so during the – when they're playing, you use you use a solid time. That's typically what we do. If we if we find time to sneak in an airification – now, and it depends on the sport too, Chris. I, I Baseball will pull a core, you know, in the middle of the season. You know, baseball is not quite as uh, disruptive, I guess, but now – I don't, I'm not big on pulling a core in, when I've got a football game on a field in, you know, two weeks. Uh, even if it can recover, I, I think listening to, to, to Scott on the last, uh, your last show, you know, you don't want to get it too loose. You know, you don't want to get it too soft. Uh, and so, um, but, but I do think even getting that solid time in there, you want that, that exchange of air. Uh, and uh, it, it just does you so much good. And there's times when I look at look around, I think, man, we need to do more. We need to airify more. When I see a cheerleader spot on the sideline, man, why don't we airify that? You know, but you know, some things, uh, <laughs> some things I don't think you can prevent. But, but I am, I, I'm big, big on airification. 
Yeah, uh, I am too. We have a Wiedemann, uh, the Terra Spike. You've heard me mention it on some other ones. Yep. It's the, you know, when we finally got the funding for that, we had a sole reliever and it was, it was, you know, that machine was pretty much had been, you know, that company had been bought out by Toro and, you know, it was hard to get the parts for that original sole reliever. And I went to the Wiedemann and I'm going to tell you, that thing's a, that thing's a tank. I mean, it's they're great I mean, machines. It's an amazing piece of equipment. Uh, workplace efficiency and saving money. Name one thing that you can think of that made you or your team more efficient or saved money that you you know that stands out in your mind. I thought about this one a lot, Chris, and I'm gonna kind of have a different answer maybe than anybody else has thrown out. But when I first got here uh, in 2004, all of our fields were native soil fields. Uh, the drainage was was not very good in any of them. Uh, and over the time I've been here, we've been able to renovate, completely renovate every field. And some of those were new construction, you know, like the baseball stadium was a brand new stadium. But we've been able to renovate every field we have and upgrade to either a sand, well, a sand-based field with, with under drains and everything, basically a USGA. Most all of our fields are, are built basically a 10-inch root zone over four-inch gravel layer with, with drainage on anywhere from 20 to 15-foot centers, uh, which is, is great. Uh, we got a couple other fields that are sand caps. But when you talk about the difference in, in managing there's unique challenges to each, but the thing that you have with these sand-based fields is control. You have so much more control over, uh, over what's going on than you did with the native soil field. You can grow the hell out of some grass on some good native soil, uh, but man, you get a week like we've had last week uh, or last several weeks where it rains every day, and uh, I, I thought about our home. We had our home opener at baseball last week, and that field is is 11 years old, and it's slow. It's slow. It's slower than it used to be. You know, it doesn't drain, and you know, we all, the, me and the guys, are like, man, we really need to. Uh, it's time for a renovation because it's slower than it was when it was new. We remember how well it drained when it was new, but it still drains pretty daggum good. When I think about where we were at Old Sarge Fry Field which uh, Sarge Fry Field was our old baseball field, which was a great park, really quaint. It was a, it was a native soil field. Uh, Sarge Fry was, act, it was named for Sarge Fry, who was actually the groundskeeper at the University of South Carolina for years, uh, which was enough, something I always thought was neat to be able to come here. He, unfortunately, he passed away before I got here and I never got to know him, but but I've always thought it was neat that a grounds guy is the only place I've ever known that the grounds, uh, the groundskeeper had a field named after him, but, uh, it was a great old park, but it was native soil and man, uh, it, it would get wet. And I mean, wet, wet. And we've played games out there that looking back on it, I don't know how we played them. They were, it was so wet. Fast forward to where we are now. And just, I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know if it saved us any money, but it's definitely made us more efficient. Just that we, we're not out there doing 
you know, we used we used to get if we'd have baseball games where it'd be so wet in the outfield, we'd just be out there with squeegees pushing water, and it was a low spot. The water would come right back to the low spot, but a lot of times you're just out there doing it because it looked good. I mean, it's because coach told you to. Um, but that's what we had, and so we had to make do with what we had. Now that we've upgraded all these fields and we've got drainage in them and they're sand-based fields, you know, we can we can control that moisture a lot more than we could. Um, there's there's other issues, there's other challenges with them. You know, they 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 don't uh, hold uh, nutrients as well. Uh, it's maybe a little harder to grow a. A, a really healthy stand on them. You have to manage those nutrients a little more, but yeah, I've always said it, it takes one event, whether it's a practice or a game on a really wet field to ruin it for the year. And you don't get, you don't get a chance to get it back. And uh, it's nice to know now that we've got ourselves in a place where, you know, we can have a big rain and get out there and play on it and not ruin the thing that that would have to be and and that's that, that's another thing that's been a highlight here is i've been able to be involved in a lot of really great renovations yeah, we had speaking of that drainage we had four fields that were just it, you know it was native soil really mostly and they were so wet and a few years ago we were able to hire nolan thomason company and nolan came in we put drainage in on 12 foot centers on all four fields and I actually stayed after work after I clocked out, I went out there and helped uh, them lay the pipe just so, and took pictures and yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't for, I didn't do it for the money or anything like that. I did it because I wanted to know, I wanted to know exactly what this was. And somebody were to ask me a question. I knew exactly how, how it was laid in there. And it is amazing to watch it work. When yeah. It runs out of that pipe on in the ditch on the other side. It, it's amazing to watch. Yeah, it's that's something that um, you know when I first got into this, and 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 we didn't have a lot of construction, but the construction side of this business has always uh, the whole. It, it's always impressed me, and mm -hmm. I've always been attracted to it because you, you. Number one, you get to see the the the. I think it's because you get to see the things you studied in school. Hey, soil, soil physics. And, and how soil physics work and how water moves hydraulically through a soil profile and then getting into a pipe and cohesion and adhesion and all these things that you learn in school that you, you're sitting there like bored to death. But you see these things in action now uh, when, it, when it comes to designing and constructing a field that's going to perform. And, uh, you know, that's what I encourage. I, I would encourage the young people out there who are just getting in this business learn about one there's the whole career path there uh that folks like nolan and 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 uh and his company have are do i mean there's a whole career path there but but uh learn yeah, about chad, those chad yeah. price as well yeah yeah chad guys. price of carolina green and and the guys we, are precision. let me tell you something and this and this and this people that are in this part of the country don't realize how good they have it when it comes to quality field, athletic field contractors. I talk to people, you know, we've got several here in the Carolinas and uh, in Georgia that are really good um, that, that, that I use and, and that, that are here. I talk to people from all over the country 
And you'd be amazed at how hard it is for them to find. They, they just don't have companies like that uh, that, are, that specialize in athletic field construction. Uh, they might be, you know, well, they, built, they built fields here and there, but they also do golf courses or they also do uh, landscaping and they just do fields on the side. So one thing I've realized that in, in this area, we've got some really good companies. And in turn, I feel like some of the construction and designs that we have in our neck of the woods are, are, are as good as, as there are, are in the country uh, as a result of having some really smart people uh, building these fields, but also helping design them and helping their customers. And, and, and I, I think we take that for granted sometimes where we are, but, but we're in a good spot to be turf, turf grass specialists, whether it's golf, whether it's uh, sports turf. I mean, we, the Carolinas is a great place. It is the, it, the network, you know, and mentioning, as you mentioned that, you know, talking about the importance of staying informed, continuing education and technology, you're a big, you're heavily involved in the Carolinas STMA South Carolina STMA and the North Carolina STMA and on the national level, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, um, talk yep. about the, the importance of those three organizations, you know, national as a whole and North Carolina and South Carolina STMA, STMA and how that, how they have grown, you know, with their conference and their continuing education and the importance of that. Uh, it's, it's, it's great. I, I think, uh, you know, there's the education piece. You know, I, I told you I was an ag ed guy and uh, I was really active in FFA. And uh, I think back to those days and maybe that's where I got it. Maybe, I, I don't know. But to me, education and continuing to learn is, is huge with whatever you're doing. Uh, always trying to expand your knowledge and keep up with the latest and greatest. The STMA as you said before, is, is, is great more for the network and providing those educational opportunities, uh, whether it's a national or state level. Um, it's been great to be involved in, uh, in, in, in the local chapter here at South Carolina. When I came down here, I kind of got involved with the guys here and we had a great group. Uh, and then several years later, being able to for the North Carolina chapter and the South Carolina chapter to join forces and uh, kind of start this Southeastern uh, sports turf uh, conference managers conference that we've had down at Myrtle beach that I know you've been to. And uh, a lot of guys in this, in this area that are passionate about education and making sure that education is, is, is out there for every level of sports turf manager. Uh, we've got some great leaders here. You know, I think about, and I'm so proud of Jimmy Simpson, who Jimmy just came off as national president and Jimmy, uh, you know, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy came down here and he's a big part of my success too. I got to mention Jimmy. He, he, he came down here as my assistant when I first got to South Carolina and, uh, helped me start building, uh, what is eventually became our program here. But, uh, but you, you, people like Jimmy, Tommy Walston, Bruce Sutton, I mean, I could go on and on about folks that have been passionate about education and, uh, you know, here in the Carolinas and nationally. But as you said before, the biggest thing about STMA, whether it's local or national to me, is 
uh, the network that it, you get all these people coming together that have common interests and common goals and we share ideas and we share our pains and our aches and uh, a lot of good comes out of that. Um, I, I'm also a huge believer in growing our profession uh, and taking what we do and having our, our profession, our industry viewed in a very professional light and, uh, you know, basically taking, trying, trying to educate people on how to, to get a seat at the table. I hear so many guys say in this industry, uh, well, you know, they made the decision without me. And one of the questions that I think to myself and sometimes even ask them is like, well, how, what is your behavior like? And what are you, what do your superiors and the people that are making those decisions in the boardroom, how do they view you? Do they view you as just old boy that mows the grass or do they view you as a true professional that is an agronomist, number one, uh, that is educated in science and biology and chemistry. And uh, those are the things that I feel like, so it comes back to education. You educate our members, but also trying to educate the masses, people outside of our industry, so that they understand that what we do is, um, is, is important. And it's not just something that they can just go hire some guy off the street to do, that there is, uh, a method to everything we do, there's science behind it. And uh, those are the things that I think STMA is striving towards and trying to, to get our industry viewed as in the same light as, uh, you know, I think the golf course industry has done a really good job. I mean, 30, 40 years ago, I think they were maybe not viewed as the most educated people, but now flash forward to where we are now, the, the, the GCSA has done a great job of promoting their superintendents as uh, educated partners in everything that that golf course does. They're a partner. Uh, and, and that's where I want us to be is I want us to be viewed. And you know, when people talk about athletics, I, I want the people that are managing the surfaces to be talked about in the same breath with the athletic trainers and the strength coaches and, and those people that uh, are viewed as essential parts of the team, because I feel like we are an essential part of the team, you know, no, no matter what level. Yeah. Like you're saying, the, we all want to be viewed, you know, as a professional. And sometimes, you know, like, you know, I, I can personally say, you know, sometimes that's not some people just say, Oh, he's just a good old boy that mows the grass. And that you hit the nail on the head with that. I think what everybody wants is just to be a part of the communication process. Mm -hmm. um, and even if, if they can just have a seat at the table, like you're saying, if they continue, if they conduct themselves with professionalism, um, have anything that any issue or anything they want to bring to the table, if they have it, if they have a, an outline, a guideline and they're put together and organized, that goes a lot further than somebody that's can fly off the handle really quick. And, you know, right. You just want to have, you know, you can earn that spot by just being organized. If you can ever get to see that table, being organized. And I've had to learn that. I've learned that the hard way. Um, I've been with my boss now for 
a long time and I won't ever leave, leave there as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but you know, I've had, I've been with him so long. Sometimes I catch myself. We're, we're almost like family. And sometimes I catch myself being when it's just me and him being a little bit unprofessional and being a little combative. And I have to, every, every, I told him this week, I said, somebody did something to me on campus. And I said, I do that same thing to Tommy. And that, that, that really upset me. And I went to Tommy. I said, I want to apologize to you for uh, just being aggravating sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, you have to, you have to really, sometimes you have to really, you know, have it in your mind about, stick to the issue and stay professional and mm -hmm. eventually somebody's going to listen, you know, it, it's, it's a lot about how you present yourself right. to other people, uh, people that aren't in our industry. And, and that's something that's to me is um, it's a hard conversation to have with some people in our industry. And it's, it's not a turf grass problem. Uh, it's not a turf grass issue. It's to me, it's a, it's a, uh, I want to say it's a, it's in all of agriculture. It's a, you know, it's the, the blue collar versus white collar where we're, we're, we're viewed as a blue collar, uh, profession. And we are, I mean, there's times when we are, but my goal is to, to make those people that are on the other side of that, uh, the, the white collar guys to look at us and say, Hey, we, we, we can, we can work in that realm too. And sometimes that is just as simple as how we prevent, present ourselves to those people. Uh, you know, images, image, image goes a long way. And, you know, some people don't want to hear that. And it's, it's not about being fake. Uh, some people say, well, you're just trying to be something you're not, or you're trying to present yourself as something you're not. No, no. I look at it as there's a time and a place, you know, I, I, I conduct, I, I dress and conduct myself, uh, in a manner when I'm out, uh, on a ball field, uh, well, that's probably not a good example. I can, I conduct myself and dress in a manner when I'm on the beach differently than I do when I'm going into church. Right, exactly. I, you know, you, you know, there's a time and a place and you have to realize that there's times when you need to, you need to maybe act a little bit more white collar. Mm -hmm. And, and, and I think that helps once, once, once people realize, you know what, this guy knows what he's talking about, then they'll ask your opinion. Uh, but sometimes getting them to even listen to you comes back to whether or not they, what, uh, what they what their image of you is initially. And, uh, and another thing I, that comes down to is public speaking, being able to, being able to form a sentence and being able to right, being able, when you have that communication, keep eye contact, things like that. Don't ramble. Make sure you have your, you make sure you have kind of studied your guideline that you want to go over with your administration or what had, whatever situation you're in. Right. It, it's, uh, you know, and so, so being, that's something that I think STMA is, is that continuing ed and that, uh, you know, the efforts that go into trying to make our profession being seen in a more professional light. Uh, that's huge to me and STMA, but, um, you, you know, at the end of the day, it's about the relationships and that's in anything you do, but, uh, but Hey, that's what makes STMA special. It does. Um, Moving forward, you know, we're starting to wrap up this with some turf questions. Your ultimate career goal that you hope to achieve or have achieved? 
I, you know what, Chris, I thought about it a lot. I've, I've probably, uh, I've probably achieved it. I mean, uh, at, at this point in my career, I don't, I don't know what I, uh, I don't really have any big designs. Uh, when I first got into this business, you know, I think like a lot of people do, you think, Oh, I'm going to be in major league baseball or NFL or whatever. But, uh, when I got into college athletics, I, I, I've always been happy in college athletics. It's, it's been, uh, you know, it keeps you, I, there's different sports. So there's different challenges. There's, uh, you know, it, it, it's hard to get bored in college athletics because there's, uh, there's always another sport in a season that, that in itself is a challenge because like I said before, the, the seasons never stop, but, um, but no, you know, I've been happy here. I've, I've been very fortunate here that I've always worked for people that respected what I do. Um, they respect me. They respect our staff. They put an emphasis on the importance of having good surfaces and good playing surfaces. And, uh, you know, as, as I prob as I, as I transition from the sports turf side of things into facilities, this is probably, yeah, I, I, you know, I've been here long enough where I don't see myself wanting to leave. <laughs> so, so I'd say this is probably, uh, you know, I, I'd, I'd like to stay here and continue to work in, in facilities and, uh, you know, take us to another level and, and, and continue to see University of South Carolina athletics grow uh, and, and become as successful as we can be. Yeah, most definitely. The uh, I think you provide a good product. I've always, you know, been a follower of your work. Uh, my boss has always, you know, talked about you, and I've introduced to I was introduced to to you at a conference long ago, and been able to follow you through Twitter and what keep up with things you're doing. And I've always been a been a huge fan. Um, well, I, I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Uh, a turf story. Funny, crazy turf story. PG now. Uh, oh man, I I thought about this one too, and I can't really think of of too many. Um, especially PG. Um, yeah, that's difficult at times. You know, one. I, this this is and maybe y'all. You know, from time to time, being on a, uh, especially at a, at a college field. You know, your fans you come to realize real quick, or at least I did how dedicated and how they're passionate, people. passionate people are about their school. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's no representation of that greater than when a loved one wants to spread uh, their loved one's ashes on a field. And uh, I remember, shoot, probably my, this is, my first summer at state, uh, we, uh, we had that happen. We didn't know it, but one of the guys came in from mowing and he was like, man, there's rocks or something all over that field. And I could hear the mower ting, 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 ting the whole time I was mowing. And one of the guys kind of, it might've been Ray. I, I can't remember who knew what had happened. was like, Oh, you don't say, you know, cause he was going to keep quiet. But, uh, we learn real quick that that when that happens, it's not all there's there's uh, there's remnants that get left behind. And uh, we had one one time 
this was back when I was still in Raleigh, uh, a family that, that, that scattered the ashes and they didn't do a great job scattering them. They kind of piled them up. Mm-hmm. And so when they got done and they left, a couple of us had to go out there and uh, kick around the piles a little bit to distribute them. And uh, I just remember. It makes you just feel, feel a certain way. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and that, that afternoon when I went home and before I went in, I was washing my boots off and they were <laughs> dusty as they could be. And I thought, man, this old boy's getting washed down the drain, man. I feel bad for him. But, uh, yeah. but yeah, there's, there's been several things like that that have happened. I, I had one time I came in on a Sunday I, uh, to have a family do it here. And uh, my daughter came with me. She was probably, I don't know, nine years old at the time. And, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of let them in and I walked away. Cause I, you know, that's a, that's kind of a private personal moment with the family. And, as they're doing it, I just kind of give them some instructions and I walked off and we came back and, and, and my daughter knew what was going on. I explained to her what was happening. And, uh, we came back and we kind of were saying our goodbyes to the people they had done with their, whatever they were, had done and their remembrance. And, uh, I was wishing them well. And I turn over and I look at my shoulder and my daughter's out rolling around on the field. <laughs> and I went over to her and I said, get up. And she's like, what? And I said, they've just spread this guy's ashes all over the field. And you're out here rolling around in it. And that gave her the heebie-jeebies, but it was kind of <laughs> funny. But yeah. anyway, that's that happens a lot, I'm sure, at, at everybody's facility. Uh, but I'm glad we have those fans that are dedicated. And yeah. Else we wouldn't have jobs. That's exactly right. Uh, they most definitely are passionate people i was one of those passionate people when i when i attended uh north carolina state as well my friends would tailgate and back then this was 07 i was you could you scanned your student card to go into the football game well if the game was at 12 all my buddies were you know they started at eight o'clock they're drinking at 7 30 i was standing at the student gate they said what are you doing i said well at 10 30 they're gonna open it they said well why don't you just wait until then i said because i'm gonna be the first one here and they they let us in. I was in a lot better shape then. Uh, I would run to the end zone that was closest to the Murphy Center where the students were right there, and I'd get my seat right on the front row at the pylon. Uh, and I remember they were playing ECU at the time. My mom, she works for ECU um, in human resources, and she uh, ECU was ranked at the time. They had Skip Holtz there. Uh, we had Russell Wilson. Uh, it was his first year. And they were, you know, there was a lot of – and Daniel Evans as well – and they were uh, – my whole family was giving me a hard time, you know, because they're all from this area. And uh, we won in overtime. And I'll never forget uh, Owen Spencer was a wide, one of our top wide receivers at the time. And I remember him running over there, you know, because they always ran to that section for the band to play. And I remember him jumping up on the wall, and I picked him up by his shoulder pads and set him up on the top of the wall. And I remember the Newton's Observer taking pictures of me and all my buddies, you know, and being on the front page of the – of the paper, you know, and that times like that, you know, I was one of those fans. I mean, I wasn't a face paint or paint my chest kind of guy, but I had my gear on and I was there every minute, whether it was baseball, softball, football, basketball, I camped out for basketball tickets. I mean, I was, you know, I was one of those fans for sure. Well, and that's, and you know, you, you know, I, I, as you say that, I mean, that's why, that's why I'm here is, and that's why we, we, you know, we get called up a lot of times, 
especially in the world of college athletics, thinking about, you know, what is that, you know, we, we got too many games, too many practices, whatever, but we have to remember sometimes, uh, and Bobby Campbell is the one who said this to me and it stood out to me. And he said, guys, and this, he was talking to a group of us and he says, guys, we've got jobs that a lot of people would kill to have Mm -hmm. being at your respective university. There's a lot of people that would love to be around these athletic fields and these athletes and these coaches and administrators, they would, they would die to be in that position. So that kind of puts things in perspective uh, that, you know, number one, how lucky I am to be in that position, but two, that we have all these fans who, who are so passionate that, uh, that they're willing to spend their money and come and, and see our, our student athletes play and uh, support them. And, uh, you know, there's, there's some that, that, that you know, most of the time for, through the good times and the bad. And so, uh, you know, we, we couldn't do what we do without our fans and our, our, our supporters. And um, we're thankful for. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that past, like you said, that, you know, I, our passion is really what, you know, our passion for athletics, you have to have some sort of passion for athletics to get into managing athletic fields, you know, at some point. Um, but, you know, wrapping I think, up. On, I think so. Yeah. yeah, I think so. Wrapping up our turf, you know, our turf, our turf talk here um, in these closing remarks. Um, they're gonna, I'm going to have some non-turf related questions, just some fun for the listeners. Uh, what's a favorite quote or phrase, something that sticks out to you that you've always carried? Now, so you, I told you I'm an NC State guy. Uh, uh, I grew up an NC State fan. I was, you know, Wolfpack tried and true until I came down here, and now I'm Gamecock tried and true, but I still pull for the pack. So this this quote is one that that I is kind of hard for me to to give credit to, but um, it's from Dean Smith of oh, wow. all people. But uh, it, it's basically about what you do with a mistake. Uh, and and I've always thought about this, and I, I've always tried to apply it to my job and. Uh, it's what to do with a mistake. You recognize it, you admit it, you learn from it, and then you forget it. And I think, in our, especially in our business, uh, you know, you, you can, things are always going to happen. You're always going to make mistakes. People are going to make mistakes. And as long as you're not committing that mistake over and over again, uh, I mean, that's how you learn you learn by trial and error. I've heard people say before in our industry, if you hadn't killed any grass, you haven't been in our industry long, uh, very long. <laughs> yeah. uh, Cause you're going to kill some and you're going to lose some, um, uh, whether by mistake or by, by no fault of your own. But um, I don't know. That one's always, I just, uh, especially when dealing with employees, uh, cause if they make a mistake, sometimes it's easy to get mad and yell and, get upset. I think, I think about times when I've wanted to do that, but you just, you have to calm yourself and say, all right, bub, you know, Hey, pat them on the back and say, don't let it happen again. You know, now. Uh, and so, uh, that's, that's a, that's a quote. I really, I really like. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's an interesting one, but you know, that man was filled with, with a lot of knowledge as everyone wills knows. He's very, he was very respected. Um, Next question. If you're having your final meal, what would it be? You know, that is a tough one. And 
I, I can tell you what it won't be. It won't be Western North Carolina barbecue like some of your uh, guests have been. I'm an Eastern North Carolina guy, but me too. I, I don't know that I'd want barbecue for my last meal. I think I'd rather have a, a big juicy steak and maybe even one that I fix myself uh, and, and a baked potato. And that to me is kind of a, uh, it's probably my favorite meal, at least right now. Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm right there with you on the, on the beef. Now I love my pork, but I'm right there with you on the beef. Uh, you wake up tomorrow and you've won the lottery. What's the first thing you do? What's your first non-essential purchase? Well, you didn't, you didn't say how much it was. Was it the big, big, big one? Oh, we're talking at least 200 million. Okay. All right. So So you're getting about a hundred at least. (laughs) I might buy a race team. Hey, there you go. Me, I got a couple, me and a couple of buddies, we, 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 we went to a race. There's several of us that go and we, we, we actually talked about it one time and we said it, it, and we stopped. It was one of these big, the pot had gotten really, really big. And I think we all bought tickets and we said, if we win, we're going to share it, but we're going, we're going to start a race team, uh, which probably is probably not the best use of your, uh, your money, uh, Cause it's probably owning a race team is probably about like farming. My daddy always used to say, <laughs> you know, he, 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 one of his favorite jokes that I've heard him say it millions of times is, you know, how do you make a small fortune in farming? You start with a large one. <laughs> and, uh, so that's probably how running a race team would be too. But, uh, but no, I, I, that might be what I do. It's good to think about it anyway. Yeah. I, you know, I haven't even thought about that, but it definitely, I definitely at least try and start me a truck team. <laughs> yeah yeah you know you, you know stock car racing some sort yeah. of stock car racing is probably no, what i'd go with no doubt um lastly what are some words of wisdom that you have for young and upcoming turf professionals um you know I, I back to what we talked about before is is, is always strive to act professional learn as much as you can uh, not only about turf grass, but uh, one thing, and I, I tell every young you know group, whether it's college or high school, whatever, don't get caught up in trying to be, you know, don't get, get caught looking through the tunnel. Uh, when I first got into this business, uh, I thought, well, I'm a grass guy. I, I'm, I'm going to do grass. I don't need to learn about horticulture and all those plants and everything else. I'm going to always be a sports field guy. Well, what you realize once you get into this, if you're the grass guy, everybody thinks you know everything there is to know about uh, anything that's alive and growing. Uh, And so uh, make yourself as employable as you can. So the more broad – doesn't mean you can't have things that you really enjoy and things that you do better than others, but – if you're going into sports turf or any turf grass field, get those other, learn as much as you can about uh, ornamental side of things as well as the grass, because it, it will come up sometime. And the more you, the more of those, the knowledge you have about those things, it's going to make you a better turf grass manager. Uh, and, and more, more importantly, it's going to make you a lot more attractive to a potential employer. Uh, if they know that you can do a lot of things, you know, that's where, uh, you know, you don't want to necessarily become a jack of all trades uh, and a master of none, 
but uh, you know, the more you can learn about a broad uh, variety of, of, of professions and, and things, uh, you know, it, it, that same thing goes for turning wrenches mm-hmm. uh, and being able to, you know, that's one thing that I is invaluable. There's so many guys now that they may know uh, how to mow and they may know turf grass and they may know a lot of those things, but the minute something doesn't start, they call you. Hey, this thing won't start, or mm-hmm. this reel stop turning. Um, learn as much as you can about at least a little bit about how to work on the machinery that you're operating on a daily basis. Um, at least enough to where you can troubleshoot when you have an issue uh, without calling the boss or the mechanic to come look at it right away. I think those are really important things, but, uh, but at the end of the day, it's all about making yourself as employable as you can. Yeah. I can't agree with that more. That's a very, that's a great asset to have uh, being a mechanic and the ornamental side. And even if you have just some basic knowledge, if you have some resources to use, whether it's a person literature, knowing how to utilize those resources in our industry is, is huge as well. Mm-hmm. You might not, you might not know everything about it, but but making a connection and networking with somebody who does, who can share information with you to just give you a basic knowledge of things going on and getting on that relationship with this person and where you can call them and say, hey, man, this is what my mower is doing. Don't you have a similar one or anything like that? You know, that's those that's a beneficial tools to have. Right. Well, Clark, it has been a pleasure. Uh, this uh, This podcast, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, got some great guests. Uh, this has been by far one of my favorite. Uh, I've always, uh, you know, like I said, I've always followed your work and uh, this has been, this was a, a long time coming. I wanted to get some experience under my belt on doing some of these interviews. And I wanted to be very organized with things that were going that we were talking about, but it's been a, it's been a pleasure and I've truly enjoyed it. And I think the listeners are, are really gonna really gonna like this one yeah well the pleasure is all mine chris this is uh you're doing a great job man and i know a lot of folks i've talked to are they're listening and uh they're enjoying the work you're doing and so uh uh keep it up yeah man i appreciate it well you take care and uh have a good evening go buy some lottery tickets <laughs> yeah i'll do that we'll do, I'll, I'll call you when i hit it and there I, you might go. Need a, I might need a, a secondary uh buyer there you go all right man well take care of yourself all right thank you yes sir well that's it for today's episode again i'm your host chris toppings with the dirt on turf podcast and before we leave you let me remind you about netting professionals it doesn't matter what kind of netting you need whether it's for a batting cage a dugout driving range Backstops, check out Netting Professionals. Go to their website, www.nettingpros.com or follow them on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn. You don't want to miss out with these people. Give them a call. Let them give you a price. They'll take care of you. Until next week, I'm Chris Toppings. We'll see you then. Looking for a racing podcast on the grid motorsports podcast is what you want. 
weekly racing analysis, and NASCAR news. Guests starting from the local short tracks to the best of the best in NASCAR. They've got it covered. Available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, and all other major streaming sites. On the Grid Motorsports Podcast. Go subscribe. Looking for a sports podcast? Heating Up Podcast is everything sports. From interviews with athletes and personalities in the sports world to debates and predictions on current day sport topics. Check out the latest episode with Bleacher Report Steve Peralt, who describes what it is like working at Bleacher Report and living every day in sports. And don't miss the episode this Friday with some NASCAR previews for the 2021 season. Episodes drop every Friday at 7 a.m. on Apple, Spotify, Google, and other podcast streaming sites. Don't miss this must-listen sports talk. Heating up podcasts. Subscribe.